0: Uh, I've known Ricky uh, a good number of years. Uh, He was a worship pastor uh, at Fountain Vineyard in Port Elizabeth. Comes from uh, the city, uh, uh, journeyed through um, uh, um, tough areas (laughs) and landed up uh, in the city with the United Nations. I mean, you talk about what God will do with a man surrendered to him. Uh, he is a model of exactly that. And now pastors, leads a church, and does it very well. I've been watching them online the last few weeks and going back and listening to some messages. And so Ricky, just as another brother in the city uh, and that we both served and have served for many years, I'd like to invite you to come share the word with us. Thank you so much, George. Good morning, family. Good morning, morning, family. Come on now. There we go. You are here and you are alive. Isn't that awesome? Morning, Jerome. Yes, it's so good to see a lot of familiar faces in the house. I come from Port Elizabeth, born and bred in the northern areas of Port Elizabeth, in a little place called Galvindale. Donkey Jesus. Donkey Jesus. I just wanted to say before I continue, George, there's something happening in your community. I believe that the the latter will be greater than the last. And what you've lost before COVID, God is gonna restore to this church, double, triple in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I feel God's called this church to be a beachhead. You know, when, when, when they wanted to take Europe Um, uh, they had to go through Normandy um, and it was where it was the most highly contested part of Europe at that point in time. But they had to get Normandy because Normandy would be their beachhead. And from that beachhead, they would be able to infiltrate the whole of Europe. Yeah, And I believe God gave that word to us as a church. And I just wanna release that word over you as well because Port Elizabeth is strategically located in the plans of Jesus. And you guys are right by the ocean. (laughs) And I wanna pray that the Lord raises up this church to be a beachhead, not just for this city, but for the cities of Port Elizabeth and the world. That he would resource this community, George, and by grace, he would allow you to dream big again. You're not a small dreamer, George. You've never dreamed small, huh? If you were a small dreamer, this church would not be here. But because you dream big, Um, uh, You've been able to release grace over the city and I want to just pray that in this next season that the Lord will just ignite something inside of you, that it would be a fire in your bones and that you can't sleep at night because you're waking up with dreams and visions and you're going, Lord, where are we going next? And that people will come alongside and say, come on, how how do I get involved? What do I do? How do I partner with you? How do I become part of this team that brings God's grace and God's glory and His splendor? not just to Port Elizabeth but the rest of our country in Jesus name amen. So I'm a little bit different to George. I won't say it's because I'm colored but it probably is <laughs> But I'm living in uh, the city of Brussels with my family, I've got one wife, (laughs) I've got three children and um, uh, a couple of years ago I felt the Lord saying that for a season I'm going to take you out of your city to a place where I have called you and I'm sending you to a multicultural community Um, uh, and I didn't know that that would look like Belgium. And I got to Belgium and the first time I walked into the church that we are now pastoring, I knew that I was meant to be there because it's 50 to 60 different nationalities on one day it is crazy samantha it is crazy and um, when you look across the when you look across the room it is people from every tribe tongue and nation gathered to give god glory and honor and it looks like heaven come on i'm like yes i want to be there It is amazing. And God has given us so much grace this last season. We've seen atheists come to know Jesus. We've seen agnostics come to know Christ. We've seen nominal Catholics come into grace and come to know Jesus in this last season. We we, we put a, a big a big number up this year, we say we wanna see 50 people baptized in Jesus' name, and this next week, we're baptizing 12 more, and this last year, I think we've baptized about 20 in Jesus' name. So I'm like, yes, Lord, you are moving in Europe, you're alive, and I just wanna put out the invitation. George, you and I need to talk, huh? We need some Africans in Europe, in Jesus' name. We need what you carry in Europe, all right? So enough of me, I need to preach. And I'm getting older guys, so please forgive me when I put on my glasses, and I might squint in your direction, because I, I, it looks like I can see you, but I can't really. OK? There we go. Donkey Jesus. Donkey Jesus, The the devil is So there's an old African story about, about a man who chose for himself a wife from amongst his people. And then, of course, he went to the father to negotiate for her. Um, uh, and uh, it was customary for a suitor to, to offer two or, or, or four cows to the father. You know, just to prove that he could provide for his bride, bride elect and offer something in exchange for his daughter. But the young girl that he was negotiating for was homely. Man, she wasn't the, the, the prettiest one in, in the family. Um, and everybody thought with the looks and the charm that her sister possessed, that she would be the one that gets the cows. She was worth about two cows. In fact, the father was willing to take a goat or a chicken. <laughs> he was like, just, just get this woman married, just get out my house in Jesus' name. But the man who came to court, he, he, he wasn't like most men. Instead of just offering two cows, he offered 10 fine cows in his bid for a hand in marriage. And the father gladly accepted the offer. But this created quite a stir in the village, guys. What did this young man see in this woman that makes her worth 10 cows? was there something that we had missed about this woman? So word began to spread around the villagers. There was a 10 cow woman living in a village nearby. This young man, he treated his bride-to-be like a queen and he paid a queen's dowry for her. And then the, the villagers started to treat her with respect because she wasn't an ordinary two cow woman. She was a ten cow woman. And all this treatment affected this woman. And she began to act less like a commoner and more like a great lady. For after all, she was a ten cow woman. And so it was through great sacrifice and wisdom that one African man transformed an ordinary woman into an extraordinary wife and took great delight in her. I've come this morning to talk to 10 cow people. I've come to talk to 10 cow people. You see, God did not skimp when he called you. He did not skimp when he sent his only begotten son. He sent his best And because God sent His best, He placed a value on you. You are a treasure. You are a pearl of great price. And this morning I have come to speak to people who know and recognize that I am a pearl of great price. I am not a cow, I'm not a a goat man, I'm not a chicken man, I'm a ten cow man in Jesus' name. You are chosen, you are complete, you are called. See, my dad died when I was 10 months old. And it really affected my life, affected my life, it affected our home. Because my father was the the heart of our family. And my mom could not accept the fact that my father died. So she was grieving, and my sister raised me. And it affected this young man's life to a large degree. They say that I didn't cry much growing up. I was an easy kid. I started performing because I felt abandoned. I felt rejected. And the only way that I could, could, could garner the praises and the affirmation of people was through my performance. And I was first in class from young already, I was, and I remember once I was the head boy and the captain of the scholar patrol at one time. <laughs> I did everything so that I could be recognized and accepted. I remember my mom dressing me up in a little, little green suit. Yeah? My mom was a kerksfro, <laughs> so he was a kerksfro. Jesus name. It doesn't matter if it's rain or shine, she will take us to church and she used to dress me up in this little green suit with a, with a red tie and I looked like Donald Trump and I would go to church every week. <laughs> And she would make me sing Amazing Grace in every church in the city. And I remember one day I went to, to the Reno. I went to, to Neville Goldman's church and I was still young and I thought, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to go and, and sing. It was dropping at that point in time. And I went, I went to go sing the old rugged cross. And I got up to sing the old rugged cross and, and I went to the first verse and it was amazing. It was great. I'm like, Jesus, I'm rocking it this morning. I got to verse number two and I forgot the words. (laughs) Forgot the words, completely forgot the words. And and I'm like, how am I gonna get out of this? And um, uh, the best way I thought to do this was just to fake some tears, guys. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, oh. oh." I'm so overwhelmed this morning. (laughs) I'm so overwhelmed and and a lady in the front, she was like, oh, it's the spirit, it's the spirit. It wasn't the spirit. (laughs) It wasn't the spirit at all. I had forgotten my words. (laughs) I lived to perform. And this morning, I'd like to present to you that one of the greatest battles that we fight as Christians is the battle for our identity. In Matthew 4, Jesus gets sent into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, it says. And Satan uses... Three lines to tempt him. The first one is, if you are. The second one is, if you are. And the last one was, if you will. Satan knew who he was. He knew that he was standing face to face with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, but still he decided to try his luck and ask him, if you believe you are who you say you are, you will. Do you believe that you are who you say you are. You see, Satan tries to undermine our confidence. He tries to tell us that we are chicken people or goat people when we are ten cow people. And I'm here to remind you this morning that you are chosen, you are complete, and you are called. Can I say, can you say it with me? Say, I am chosen. I am complete. I am called. called. Jeremiah 31 and verse 3. The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. You have been chosen by God himself. Not because of who you are. Not because you live a sinless life not because of your sin, not because you can quote a thousand scriptures and stand on your head and sing hallelujah. You were chosen because of who God is. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with my loving kindness. It says no one comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws in. This morning you are here because the Holy Spirit drew you to be here. You are here not because somebody kicked you out of bed and said, you've got to go to church. You are here because the Holy Spirit's got his hand, or he's got his finger on you. God's got his finger on you this morning. He's calling you, he's saying, my boy, my daughter, you are called by me, you are chosen. I have loved you with an everlasting love. This has got nothing to do with the approval of men. I think sometimes we live for the approval of men like I did. But let me tell you, the approval of men is a fickle thing. You just have to watch America's Got Talent or Idols. And you know that you definitely don't want to be judged by people. Especially not Simon Cowell. You know, you're not judging Simon. fast, fast. You're not because man looks at the outer appearance and God looks at the heart. And in 1 Samuel 16, we, we see the story where, where they're gonna choose the next king of Israel and, and um, uh, the, the prophet Samuel goes to the house of Jesse because there are some boikis in the house of Jesse and everybody thinks that the next king is gonna come from the house of Jesse. And Samuel goes and they bring before him Eliab. Now Iliab was the man, he was the bokeh. That boiki looked like supermodel George that boy could could gym you know he had muscles where you and I don't even have places my man But the Lord said to Samuel do not look at his physical appearance or at his stature because I have refused him for the Lord does not see as man does for man looks at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart Men will always look at you through the lenses of their own perceptions. And you'll be found wanting. And from a young age, I realized that nobody is going to define me except for Jesus. I will not be defined by the neighborhood that I come from. I will not be defined by the color of my skin. I will not be defined by the money in my pocket. I will be defined by Jesus Christ. I will be defined by him. You see, God sees your end from your your beginning. And if you live for the approval of men, you will die when they reject you. You will die when they turn their backs on you. You see, Jesus was not moved by the opinions of men. If you go look at Matthew 16, verse 13 to 20, and go read this for yourself at home. I'll read you some of it. He says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? And some say you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah. And still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then he says, but what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Jesus was not moved by the opinions of man. But when he heard what Peter had to say by the revelation of the Spirit, he was like, yes, that's it. That resonates with my heart. That resonates with who I am. Peter, this is, this is who you are. Because I don't know if you remember, but one day in the Jordan River, uh, Jesus was being baptized by John and the heavens opened and the dove, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and the Holy Spirit said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And that set the tone for his ministry. If we get to that place where we go, I am chosen by God. He loves me so much that he gave his only begotten son for me and he brought me into family. We can get to a place where we recognize that we are chosen. Not just some of us, but all of us are chosen. All of us. I want to remind you this morning that you're precious, man. You're precious to the Father. You know, there were times when I felt like half a human because I didn't have a father. There were times when I felt abandoned and rejected. There were times when I felt sorry for myself. I'm like, oh Lord, why did I have to? I remember going to play rugby. Oh my gosh, brother. It was one of the worst days of my life because nobody taught me how to, how to, how to throw a ball, Right? So I go to one rugby practice, guys, one. I go to one rugby practice and the next day I'm eighth man. I'm like, are we gonna go play in Helenville? And I'm like, Lord Jesus, I'm gonna go play in Helenville. I don't even know how to, how, to, how to catch a ball. I'm gonna go play rugby in Helenville. And I'm like, why didn't I have a dad to teach me how to catch a ball? Because the next day we were playing against, we weren't playing against children, brother. manna, and we like the under 39s, or under 49s, and those was all clean and min. we come from Parkside Primary, and it's a, it's a lack of school up one, and, and now we're playing in Hellenville in the Amalek Bard. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. And I remember somebody throwing the ball to me, and I saw one of these boykies running at me, my boy, my man. He, he was like you, like a duck guy, uh, part muscles, uh, and he starts running at me, and I'm like, no ways, this guy's gonna tackle me. There is no grass here. I'm not going to be tackled on the stones. It was funny at the moment, but I went home that night and I felt so terrible. I felt so bad. I felt sorry for myself. I'm like, everybody else knows how to throw a ball or kick a ball and play ball. I don't even know the rules of rugby. I felt like half a human. But then God taught me. And he says, Ricky, you are complete. You aren't complete in me. You're qualified, my boy. Because I have qualified you. For as many as have received them, He's given the right to be called sons and daughters of God. So I'm not an orphan. I have never been an orphan. I am chosen. I am complete in Him. I'm loved because I'm a son of the most high God. This morning, I want to ask you, do you feel complete inside of you? Do you feel unqualified? If you do, I want you to know that that is a lie from the evil one. You have been made complete in Christ Jesus. Colossians 1 and verse 12 says, and giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Hey. Who has qualified you? The Father. Who inherits, guys? Who inherits? Sons and daughters inherit. So we get to inherit because we are sons and daughters. That moment, how do that moment when we say, "Lord, yeah, I'm I. I'm not enough until you come." Until you come, I'm not enough until you come change me. I'm not enough until I receive your resurrection life and I am crucified with Christ and I'm raised up into life with him. I'm not enough Lord until you have come to make your love, your, 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 your dwelling place inside of me. From that moment, we are qualified. We have been brought from the kingdom of darkness and we have been trans- transplanted into the kingdom of light. We are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. But we struggle with this, guys. We struggle with believing that we are complete. But we're not alone. Let me me tell you, we're not alone. Thank you, Jesus, that we're not alone. When I look at Hebrews 11, and I look at the heroes of the faith, I laugh, eh? Because I've read the Old Testament. (laughs) I've read the Old Testament and I know these guys' stories. And here the Bible talks of them as the heroes of the faith. But the Lord knows these boys weren't always heroes. I remember when Moses was called. And Moses saw the suffering of a nation. And he decided that he needs to do something about this thing but he goes about it the wrong way and he kills an Egyptian and he ends, up in, he ends up somewhere in the desert and then the Lord calls Moses and says, Moses, I want you to go and free the Israelites and there were millions of people and this boy is like, I, I, I'm not qualified. I'm not your guy. I'm not your guy, Lord. I'm not that guy. And God says, I want you to go. And he says, yeah, but I stutter. I'm not going. And then God asks him, What do you have in your hand, Moses? And Moses says, I've got a rod, I've got a, got a stick. I a stock. Hit a stock. And say, Hunt, hit a stock. Doesn't have a sword. Doesn't have an AK 47 or a bazooka. He's got a stick. (laughs) I'm like, Lord Jesus, he's got a stick. And Lord, what are you going to look at? Are you going to, I'm going to liberate millions of people with the stick, Jesus. And they're like, okay, if that's all you have, that's what I'm going to use. What do you have in your hands? I see it with David and, they ask, and, and and David comes in and he sees the, the, the Philistines fighting against, against the people of Israel and he walks in and God's like, what do you have, David? And David goes, I've got five stones and I get the keti, I've got a sling. And God's like, okay, cool. We're gonna use what you have and we are gonna slay some giants today. I see it in the book of Matthew. One of the the first gospels where Jesus is is feeding the five thousand, and there are loads of people there. All the all the monsters, all the yildach, all the young, all the younger young. I mean, the younger, huh? Their stomachs are eating their backs already by the end of the day. <laughs> and, they, and, and, and Jesus is like, we've got to feed them. And the disciples go, no, Lord, just send these people away. It will take a man's way, years, wages to feed all these people. And Jesus is like, just go find out what they have, man. Five loaves, three fish. And in the hands of Jesus, something incredible happens. What Do you have in your hand? What do you have that the Lord can use for His glory? Stop disqualifying yourself. Stop saying that I do not have what it takes. You have what it takes in Jesus' name. You have been anointed, you have been appointed to disappoint the devil in the city in Jesus' name. You have what it takes. A stock, man. A stock. All right, I've got five more minutes, so I want to get to my last point. Is that all right? Thank you, Jesus. How much did you say, George? Seven. <laughs> Come on. Thank you, Jesus. And the final one is I am called. Say with me, I am chosen. I'm complete. I'm called. And I want to end off today with I am called, and it's going to take about seven minutes in Jesus' name. See, you've been called to co-labor with Jesus. You have been called to co-labor with Jesus. What we do here on a Sunday is amazing. I love this. I was jumping up and down like a Reebok for Ochan in Jesus' name. It's God's presence and His power is here. I was lamenting with Georgia but saying, Here, yeah, Jesus, I need a team like this in Brussels. But believe man transplant Brussels too in Jesus' now. And George goes, near, 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 fast, oh fast. Lost my net in Jesus' name. But I want you to know that what we do here on a Sunday is great, but this is not the beginning and the end of ministry. We get to equip the saints, but we equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And everywhere where you go is when the ministry happens. Everywhere where you go is where God gets to use you for His glory, where God gets to use you for His purposes. If you're a doctor, if you're a lawyer, if you're a farmer, if you're a gachi, if you're a street sweeper, if whatever you are, God gets to use you for His purposes there, there. You are called. You are called to bring His kingdom. You are called to bring the grace and the love of Christ wherever you go. And let me tell you, when every one of you step into the fullness of who you are and you start, start taking seriously the mantle that is upon your life, this church and this building will be way too small because there are millions waiting in the valley of decision today. Millions. There's, there's space for another 10 mega churches in the city. Because there are so many people that need Jesus. Are we going to sit on our gifts and our grace? Or are we going to use what God has given us? And some of us go, but Ricky, I don't have much. I'm not, I'm not like Matthew or George or Vincent. I don't have a story. I want to tell you a lich. You've got a story. Every one of us has a story. Every one of us has a story. You see, I've got scars here on my hand and I remember every wound that I have on my body. They are my my battle scars. I can tell you exactly when I fell off the motorbike and I scraped my legs and I still have those scars and I'm still banned from motorbikes today by my wife in Jesus' name. But those are... My, 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 my battle scars, that's my war stories. Every one of you has some battle scars. There's some things that you've gone through in your life that you've had to overcome. And in those places where Satan has wounded you, God has come and he's put his anointing oil into that wound. And that, then that place where you've been wounded becomes your place of authority and you can bring healing and you can bring restoration to others through the wounds that you have gone through yourself. Because the Bible teaches us that we comfort others with the comfort that we have received. What have you received? Can you comfort people with what you have received? Stop looking down on yourself. Tell yourself, man, I am chosen. I am complete. I am called. I am going to do the things that God has called me in this city, in this time, because this season waits for no man. We need to move on and grab a hold of the best that God has, us, has for us today. Eck down. This morning, I want to pray for you. There was a guy called Pierre that came to our church in Brussels a few months ago. And Pierre sat in the back of the church, and Pierre stank. Father, I will say, Pierre stank. And it was, a, it, was a, it was a wonder that people sat next to Pierre because. Um, and half through the announcements, Pierre, Pierre screams in church, hey, tell me about Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, oh, he heard of Isaac, no. So I walk up to Pierre, I put my hands over him and I think at that point in time I had an unction from the Holy Spirit not to kick him out because um, the guys were ready. I said, no, guys, just wait. And I, I put my hand over, over, over his arms over my, and I said, Pierre, it's good to have you in church today. I just—I'm gonna go preach in a few seconds, okay? Then, 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 I'm sure the Lord's gonna to speak to you. And Pierre quietens down, and halfway through my preach, Pierre gets up, and he says, watch. and he say, "Watch." Says Ricky. I've got to go. <laughs> I'm like, Pierre, that's amazing. Would you just come quickly? I want to pray for you. So i like, what do I do now? Stop my service. I'm like, I'm stopping everything. And I'm like, all right, he's interrupted already. So let's just let's just bless him and send him on his way. So I just stop the service. I call him to the front and I pray for Pierre. And the Lord's presence touches his life in such an amazing way. He falls on the ground. He's busy crying before God. Starts reciting um, uh, the Psalm 23 in French. and Viti Vatsi. He starts reciting the Psalter in French. This church starts crying. Some people come come uh, wrap their, their, their arms around, around Pierre, and Pierre has an encounter with Jesus that morning that transforms him. About three weeks later, I see this young man in church, and I'm like, who's this guy? Who's that oak? And it was Pierre. He had clean shaven. Um, and Pierre's life was transformed. And he comes back to me and he's like, so thank you so much that you guys made space for me. I have reconciled with my dad. I did not know, but his dad is a baron, a landowner in our, in our neighborhood. And he had reconciled with his dad and with his children. And he was so grateful that we made space for him in our hearts. That week, Pierre passed away, that week, that week, but he went to be with his dad. There are people around you on a day-to-day basis that needs to know the love and the grace of Jesus, and God deputizes you to be that guy. So while everybody's eyes are closed, just very quickly, just close your eyes for me for a second if you don't mind. Thank you, Lord. This morning you are here and you're like, Ricky, I love that you're talking about Jesus. But I really want to know him the way that you know him. I want to experience him the way that you've experienced him. I, I have felt rejected and abandoned for the longest time and I am, I am so hungry to know him and you've never made a commitment to Jesus, or you have made a commitment to Christ previously, but you've walked away from, 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 from what you know is true, this morning I wanted to call you back. And for those of you that have never made a decision, I want to call you in to family. If that's you this morning and you're saying, Ricky, I would love to know Jesus the way that you know him. I would love to be able to worship him the way that that the people in this community worships him. I have felt abandoned and rejected my entire life, but today I want to come to Christ. I want to know him. If that's you this morning, where you are, would you stand? I'm not even gonna ask you to raise your hand. I'm gonna ask you to stand and I want you to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. He's calling you to his heart this morning. Come Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you have your way? Come on to Jesus. Come, Lord. Oh. Hey, I come on to Jesus. Give him your life today come on to Jesus let him have his way come on to Jesus come on to Jesus give him your life today come on to jesus let him have his way let him have come let's stand with me whole church all over the place come sing with me come on come on to jesus give him your life today Give Him your life today. Come on to Jesus. Come on to Jesus. Let Him have His way. Let Him have His way. Come Holy Spirit. I want to pray for Christians. I want to pray for those of you that are going, I know that I'm called. But there's pain in my life, there's pain in my heart. I've been hurt, I've been rejected. I've been rejected by family. I've been rejected by church. And I know that there's something inside of me that is bigger than what I'm experiencing right now. And I wanna give my all in service to Jesus. But I need to let go of some stuff so that the Lord can bring healing and restoration to me. I want to pray for you. See, so if that's you, just as a sign of, Ricky, would you pray with me? Would you just lift your hand way high so we can see it, yeah. This is a point of contact this morning. It's a point of contact to say, I'd like some prayer. For those of you that have grown up without dads this morning, I feel like God wants to say, I want to re you. I want to re-father you. I want to be your dad. So if you just want to raise your hand for me, I want, to pray, I want to pray with you as well that you'd come to know God as father this morning and that you would be refathered by him so you can step into the more that God has for your life in Jesus' name. Come Lord. For those of you that feel I am called, I just need somebody to recognize me. I want you to lift your hand and say, Jesus, would you recognize me? I'm here. I'm here, Lord. I'm here. We're going to close the service, and I want to ask you if you're here this morning. And you're saying, "I need prayer." I'm going to pray for you right now. But if you if you're saying, "I need prayer for anything else," you're going through financial troubles, you're going through marital troubles, you're you're going with through troubles with your children. I want you to know that prayer changes circumstances. Yeah, I want you to come and I want you to find the prayer team, and I want you to come with them and pray with you. They're going to be here afterwards to pray with you. I want you to find them, and I want you to stand with them in prayer so that God can do something amazing in their lives. Let me pray and let me give over to Vince. Thank you, Lord. So Father, I thank you for every person that is here. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have called us, Lord you have you have chosen us Lord you have completed us so this morning Father we stand as children of the most high God and we ask you would you come Holy Spirit and would you come and reaffirm Lord your word over our lives once again in Jesus name Father, we thank you that you are not a man that you should lie. That when you speak, Lord, you watch over your word to perform it. So Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you call into remembrance, Father, every word that you have spoken over the people in this community, over this church, Father, and you would bring those words to life in Jesus' name. That by your grace, Lord, this church, Father, and these people will step into the more of Jesus Christ for their lives and they would see the city saved, Father, because of your grace in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for those that feel orphaned or abandoned or rejected this morning, I pray that they would know the life and the love of Christ Jesus. They would know, Father God, the the, the warmth of your embrace, Lord, and they would be re-fathered by you so that they can step into the more of Christ for their lives. I bless you for this church and I thank you for everything that you're doing, Lord, in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you.